0: the horizon is wide and the highway is calling that means it's time for another episode of american roads trip talk i'm your host gary mance with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear searching for america in every incomparable mile ladies and gentlemen we're so happy to have you with us again thank you for all the lovely feedback about trip talk those hits are piling up we're a podcast as well as a broadcast you know through the good efforts of Eric Ryder, master producer. He is the guy who takes this broadcast on AM 1150 in Seattle and turns it into a widespread podcast through multiple distribution channels. And that really gets the word out about all the places to be seen, to be experienced, that you read about in American Road. So we're happy, of course, that you're with us once again. And today I'm excited because this is my opportunity for the second time to talk to a gentleman named Tom Cotter. You're going to hear more about him and plenty from him as we move on. But before we begin our interview with Tom, I did want to let all American Road Magazine and Trip Talk fans know that now is the time for you if you are a shutterbug. American Road's 2019 Picture Perfect Photography Contest celebrates art in every form. Art inspires, art influences people in so many ways. Submit a photograph of your favorite subject that inspires you to travel and celebrate life. Whether it's a photo of a beautiful sunset, a quirky roadside attraction, or a neon sign, let your imagination soar. Send us your picture-perfect photo. You could win $500 and have your photograph published in an upcoming issue of American Road Magazine. Visit AmericanRoadMagazine.com for details and entry instructions. Now is the time to talk to a man who understands car culture because he helps create a lot of it, and he's a PR guy besides. So if there's anybody to get the word out about the joys of participating in classic car culture... He is the man. Tom Cotter is known internationally as the barn find hunter, and his YouTube videos alone have amassed a devoted car cult following. Tom is originally from Long Island, New York, and now lives in North Carolina, his home base, but also a starting point whenever his love for the classic car urges him on to new adventures across Route 66, Cuba, Detroit, just to name a diverse few, a car enthusiast from the very start. His personal investment in several facets of the classic car world, including building one of the most successful motorsport PR companies in the industry, has made for Tom Cotter a home in the world of classic car media, plumbing the depths of the hobby, specifically the barn find. As he continues exploring the country with a singular passion. And so we welcome for the second time to Trip Talk, Mr. Tom Cotter. Tom, it's great to talk with you again today.
1: Gary, it's great to be here. Thank you.
0: Now, as I understand it, sir, there we're catching you either just outside or entering Boston as you're on the phone and you're doing this interview, I'm sure hands-free, of course, car enthusiast that you are, you're a safety enthusiast as well. There so what takes you to where you're going right now as we do this show together
1: well I'm, I'm driving from long Island to Maine and i I think I'm not the only one doing that because there is traffic built up on 495 uh pretty pretty heavy uh, I was hoping that I'd pull over at some beachside parking lot and, and talk to you with you know waves crashing in the background but <laughs> I'm, I'm on the highway uh three lanes wide just with
0: cars. <laughs> Better that the waves be crashing than the cars be crashing. True, true. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time to join us today, Tom. I want to get this out of the way right at the start because I was amazed when I read it. You have been to Cuba. Now, classic car culture, any... Even people who are not into classic car culture understand that much about Cuba. Were you actually there going on a a find? Was it a sort of pilgrimage for you? And how did you get into Cuba anyway?
1: Well, I I was very involved in the Island Concourse de Legance down in Florida. And one year we had a class for race cars that had raced in Cuba during the Grand Prix uh, era 57, 58, and 60. And so there were cars that were raced there that, you know, Ferraris and Maseratis and even Corvettes that raced there at Cuba during that time, and we had a class for them at the Belia. So we thought, wouldn't it be neat if we could get the uh, curator for the uh, automobile, uh, I forget, I you know, I'll, I'm going to screw up the name, but in, in uh, Havana. So we got him as a judge. We, he got permission from the government to come to Florida and be a judge in the Cuban car class, race car class. And in return on an educational reciprocating uh, arrangement, we were allowed to go down to Cuba. And uh, I said, wow, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. So I made a couple of trips there. And my co-author and I, Bill Warner, he runs the Amelia Island Conquest. We did a book called The uh, Cuban Car Culture. And we, <laughs> we went to Cuba not to look at the sites. We went to Cuba to look for old cars, and uh, you know we found goldwing Mercedes and Porsche spiders and all sorts of cars. It's amazing what was left down there when the embargo went in place.
0: When the embargo went in place, yes. Then then you were talking about a sort of black market there. And Tom, I'm curious to know what your what your own feelings told you because i mean you've got such a great eye for classic cars and all it takes to maintain them or to rehabilitate them isn't it true well, you know, that Yes, i'm sorry go ahead
1: but there's no there's, well okay the first time we went there on our first trip we uh asked our translator and uh, chauffeur i guess or car driver because we don't want to rent a car uh take us to a junkyard and he said excuse me please <laughs> take us to a junkyard we want to see what a junkyard looks like in cuba he said what's a junkyard i said well it's where old cars are and they t- take parts off them and you know people can buy he said my whole country is a junkyard so there is literally no junkyards in cuba uh and there's no such thing as a worn out part of a 40 year old spark plug if you're able to get a 10 year old spark else wants that 40-year-old spark plug or brake drum or you know steering wheel or bumper or whatever and if if you can't find it you make it
0: that is incredible so if you you trade in a 40-year-old spark plug for one that's only 10 years old the neighbors accuse you of showing off (laughs) you know that
1: yeah that's one thing you got to worry about our our, uh, uh, translator actually had been uh he studied abroad in, in Portugal, and that's he learned to speak uh, English there very well. And he said, you know, and so he makes everybody makes 20 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, $5 a week. And, uh, you know, we gave him a tip at the end of a week, and it was probably $200 tip in total. And he says, I have to be so careful. I live with my mother. If I start buying a new car or a big screen TV, or you know, cell phones, or whatever. The neighbors will turn me into the government that I'm taking money under the table. So, in some ways, he's got money that he can't spend. It's really, an odd situation,
0: and one that I hope it changes for the the betterment of all concerned sometime soon. That's that's been a long economic battle and political one. That's for sure. Well, Tom, let's go back to stateside here because I have to congratulate you. I have been watching your YouTube videos, Barn Find Hunter, and anybody that goes to YouTube, just put it in the search window, Barn Find Hunter, and you're going to meet a whole lot of Tom Cotter on the road doing and experiencing extraordinary things regarding classic cars. And I went to episode 60 in particular. I saw it before and I wanted to see it once before we did the show together, Tom, it's amazing what you can do where, uh, in a place where a lot of people would say, well, that's out in the middle of nowhere, Midland, Texas, and I guess it's in the name, Midland, Texas, and you have found wonders, signs and wonders there that show that the classic car culture is not only alive but thriving, feel free to tell our listeners about a standard trip, if there is such a thing for you, because I have a feeling they're all unique, but the sorts of things that you would experience in Midland, Texas, and then I know you've been out to St. George, Utah, a town that I have visited more than once, and you had some gems that you found there. What is your MO? What does your itinerary look like? And what did you find that you felt really needed to be in these videos of yours? Well, as opposed to,
1: you know, a few of the other, you know, pickers-type shows. I don't like to get leads. You know, there's other shows that they survive on leads, and they know exactly what they're going to see before they get there. In fact, many of them send out advanced teams to go out and search these cars and actually, in some cases, uh, negotiate prices before the cameras get there. I like to just wind, go to a town, land there, and uh, and find them kind of, you know, on, in, in real time, find cars. So... The first thing that I do is I drive a 1939 Ford Woody wagon, uh, which I bought as a barn find when I was 15 years old. I was in uh, ninth, going into tenth grade, and that car has kind of been part of my life for half a century. And so, when you drive an unusual car, you, you tend to find unusual cars because everywhere you go, gas station, uh, a uh, an auto parts store. Uh, restaurant people want to talk about your car and what do you how come you have north carolina plates what are you doing in fill in the blank it could be uh anchorage alaska it could be uh big sky montana well uh, i'm here looking for old cars what do you mean you look for old cars well i like to i have a program and we interview people that have old cars to give people encouragement viewers encouragement that there's still old cars to be found and bought and restored. And so I hit Midland, Texas, which is a small, gritty, with a tough little town, uh, a lot of hard-working people and if you work hard enough you become a billionaire. Uh, lots of potholes dirt in the air. Uh, and I wanted to go there for several reasons, but it's 7 miles by 7 miles and boy, without a single lead, we found all sorts of amazing
0: cars. You find them and then you present them to the public in a way that entices even those of us who really don't know very much about cars at all and could never begin to rebuild them but we see this this evolution that we see this rehabilitation and recreation of these wonderful old vehicles some of which i mean i'm getting up there in years There for, for us uh, boomers there who either drove something like that or wish that we could have and you know tom i have an example It it got a few moments of one of your videos there was a Ford Ranchero and you're very plain-spoken and saying you're a Ford guy you're attracted to that brand so there you are looking at this Ford Ranchero as I recall it was jet black when it with a big coat of dust on it but you found it and you were celebrating its its place in car culture and I thought to myself other than preferring a metallic blue which would be really kind of cool i thought the ford ranchero is the kind of car that would have its own niche in ford car culture by contrast with let's say chevy fans and they love their el caminos right and i've talked to people the el camino oh to them that that was the ultimate to have that and here's this ford ranchero for all the age and all the dust and all the weathering, it was in pretty good shape. And I said to myself, if I could just pluck one car out of these videos and make it the color I want and give it all the tender, loving care it needs, I would love to sport around town driving that vehicle.
1: Yeah, that's that's, that's that's what I do these programs for, to give people like you or anybody else listening right now encouragement that, you know, you don't have to, Go to these big barrett-jackson auctions in las vegas or you know pay a lot of money on say ebay to get a car that may or may not be what it represents you could actually get in a car on a saturday morning and uh tell your significant other i'll, I'll be back by dinner time and 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 just start going up and down less traveled roads dead-end streets, no outlet communities and i guarantee in in every community in america there's something significant to be found
0: (laughs) i'm certain of that tom and i also am very confident that you know how to approach people in a friendly way midland texas in episode 60 that's that gives great evidence of that you got the folks from mcpherson college involved and they turned out a wonder of a ford wagon it was really a beautiful piece of work when they were done with it But also, I see that you go out to St. George, Utah, it could be, you know, you mentioned Alaska, there are many lots in Puget Sound where I would worry about the rust factor there and all of the the moisture, but otherwise, I've seen my share of cars and a friend of mine out in Issaquah, east side of Lake Washington, there is working slowly but surely on a 1965 Mustang that will be a beauty when she is done with it. What is the etiquette? For a guy like you, Tom Cotter, you go there, you meet somebody, do you do you drive up and maybe they're a stranger or maybe they've heard of you from all of your work in the culture there and you say, hey, what do you have for me to look at today? I'm interested in a such and such or do you allow yourself to wander through the dinosaur pile, as it were?
1: Well, you know, well, first of all, you drive up. My, my feeling is if you drive up in a new SUV. You're, you're kind of an outsider from the start. Driving, driving an interesting car leads to seeing more interesting cars because suddenly this person who's got a backyard or a barn full of cars wants to see your car as much as you want to see theirs. And then, you know, I used to be a car salesman. Well, you have to kind of sell yourself before you can, you know, sell a car. you got to sell yourself and, and on the showroom floor. Well, it also goes you got to sell yourself before you can buy a car or even look at a car.
0: You're selling yourself, you're making friends. All of that makes sense to me. It's about the human relations skills at the outset.
1: It's all public relations. And, you know, there are places in West Virginia that I drove up a hill, literally a hillbilly's driveway. This would have been a scene out of deliverance. And, uh, you know, this guy comes out with one tooth, nice man. He looked at my car and he says, you want some iced tea? You know, suddenly... knew i was not a poser i was a real old car guy and he had a bunch of old cars and buildings and we we had a a great three hours with this guy so you know it, it takes salesmanship you just can't go in because there's too many shows on tv american They'll say, you know, yeah, I am getting on on age, especially in Detroit. You mentioned the the Detroit book that I wrote. A lot of retired engineers that work for the Ford, Chevy, and Chrysler are are real car enthusiasts, and, and they have been collecting projects for retirement. And then they finally reach 60 or 65 years old, and they retire, and they have 20 cars in the barn. And they say, you know what, it takes me six years to restore a car. I need to get rid of a bunch because I'm never going to restore this many cars in my remaining years. So, you know, if you're a nice person, people like to deal with nice people. And there is a good chance you could, you know, drive away with an old car on your trailer. That's what you really want.
0: Do you ever find yourself, Tom, looking at at makes that in their day, might have been popular for a relatively short time. They didn't last like Ford and Chevy, to name the two big ones there. But for example, this is a little story from my, and I'm going back many, many years. Went to visit my grandparents in the Pittsburgh area, and we went out to an old barn where my grandfather had owned but not driven or necessarily even seen an old Studebaker for many Uh years. And we got into this Studebaker, my grandfather, my dad, my uncle, and myself, to see if the old gal could still run. Well, the first thing that happened, once we got in, my dad's feet went through the floorboard (laughs) on the passenger side. And we concluded that this Studebaker was going to need some work. And so I look at that and I go, Studebaker, that's a name from the past, and people kind of smile when they hear it. But I'm sure back in the day there were Studebaker enthusiasts, just like today there are people devoted to Ford, Chevy, or what have you.
1: Sure, cars like Studebaker's Hudson, uh, Packard, and now even Oldsmobile and Pontiac uh, are called orphan cars. And these are cars that are no longer made but still have a, a following of enthusiasts. And they're, in fact, orphan car shows. that that happen around the country. So, okay, we see Ford's and Chevy's and Dodge's, Porsches and Ferraris and whatever at every other show, but this is a show just for orphan cars, and they're pretty cool. Uh, What you mentioned about putting your feet through the floor, you know, not every old car is is worth a lot of money just because it's old, and there's a ratio of um, its value in prime condition versus the amount of labor and materials it'll take you to get that car into prime condition and many times you can be upside down in a project investing money in a car you have no chance of ever making back so what i uh advise to my viewers the Haggerty uh sponsors Haggerty insurance sponsors are the program is go to the Haggerty website and they have a a, an auto valuation guide and they give you the value of cars in various conditions and you can tell Okay, to get this car into concourse condition uh, might cost $100,000, and then when it's done, it's only worth 60000 Well, you uh-huh. know what? So, you know, it's not, old, not a lot of old cars. But th- the problem is, now with Barrett-Jackson auctions on television, eBay, American Pickers, everybody thinks every rusty thing they have in their backyard is suddenly worth a fortune. And, uh, you know, it's not, not necessarily the case.
0: Not necessarily the case. In fact, I will admit this to you, Tom. I was wowed by what I saw on American Pickers. I've watched my share of episodes. I do enjoy them. But I always wonder when they say we can sell this for cha-ching, cha-ching, and there are all these figures and it adds up to a great deal. And I say to myself every time, but it hasn't sold yet. That's only theoretically possible. Somebody may offer you like 30% less and you're willing to sell it to unload the inventory of stuff that you've been picking around and acquiring. So I really wonder about the true value of these transactions.
1: Yeah, and many times the the value they give you on TV is only a small percentage of what they actually want for it. I've been to American Pickers headquarters in Iowa, and Mm -hmm. Uh, I was I was a little bit disappointed. I have to tell you, for a TV show that attracts a worldwide audience, about a couple of guys riding around the country to buy relics, whatever it is—a you know a baseball card set or an old tractor or a motorcycle, whatever—to buy things and then sell them. Uh, when you go to their headquarters, and first of all, Mike and Frank are never there. The girl with the tattoos, whatever name, she's not never she's never there. But you can buy new things you can buy new t-shirts made in china and the mike wolf line of leather jackets and and belts and stuff and i say wow you know this is a show that it made a a reputation for buying old things but all i really do is sell new things so there are a couple of old things there for sale but but not many and and they want a lot of money for the few things they have there so there's there's something that something's not really right about it (laughs)
0: I could understand that, you know, to take that point of view. And we're not putting anybody down here. It's just a question of methodology and how, what perspective you bring to it. I can tell you that I made a pilgrimage of sorts to the famous pawn shop in Las Vegas, the subject of a great cable TV show. Went in there. The people who were famous for being on that show were nowhere to be seen because apparently when they're not filming, they're just not all that accessible. But we walked around And I noticed that there was a carving there, I think it was from the old Riviera, but of one of the showgirls in a revealing pose there. And I thought, well, they show that so often there, I've got to go take a look at this. And when I went there, I saw that the price tag on this item was $49,999.99. So I told myself, they're pretty determined not to sell this item. (laughs) It's, it's a bit right. of a, an escutcheon on their ship, if you will. And so they priced it accordingly. And I thought, okay, there's a lot more to know about all this. But so much opportunity continues to exist for people who have the, the hands-on experience, certainly the mechanical aptitude which I lack entirely there and and also good friends who are willing to work with them if you don't happen to have a McPherson college nearby, but the means whereby of making these dreams, these these reincarnated car dreams happen is something well within your purview. and I think that's part of the reason why your show is so darn popular.
1: Yeah, well, you know you talk about friends helping and uh, having a college nearby. Back to Midland, episode 60, uh, it was the, I guess it was February, probably February of 2018, we were there, and I just, it was a 62 Ford station wagon, and I just liked it. It was among a field of dreams, a field of dreams. There were 50 cars in this lot, and the guy wanted to sell every one of them, and yet this wagon spoke to me. It was straight, it was clean, and the original red paint was all faded to like a pink sitting out in the desert for 30 years and i asked the guy if he had any compound and a rag and i waxed a little bit of it you know ultimately i talked haggerty into buying this car we had a motor put in it, a new transmission the haggerty guys came down and put disc brakes on the front whatever and we fixed this up into a driving car and i got to buff the entire body out and turn that ratty old pink color into a, a beautiful red that was sprayed on the car at the factory in 1962 and we wound up donating that car to McPherson College as a kind of a parts chaser. McPherson College is in Kansas, and they have a four-year bachelor's degree program in automotive restoration. So, uh, you know, it goes to a good cause, and, uh, you know, the the students there will drive this car to junkyards or parts stores or whatever to uh, attain parts for other projects they're working on. It's uh, it's a wonderful program, but it, it also showed viewers that look i don't just talk the talk i walk the walk and you know i'm not just pointing out cars you can buy this fix this up i actually did it and it, it and and episode 60 is you saw the result uh we drove that car a thousand miles to kansas and it was spectacular
0: just gorgeous your whole show your whole career is spectacular tom cotter i can't thank you enough for joining me there will be a visit number three because i'd love to talk to you this would be something about which every american road magazine subscriber would get very excited and that is your barn finds along route 66 it's the subject of one of your books and next time we get together let's talk about that
1: gary you can have me on once a week it'll be okay (laughs)
0: Winner. Thank you, Tom Cotter. Great to talk with you as always.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Tom Cotter, wonderful guy. Just go barn find hunter on the search window of YouTube and you're in for a treat. Folks, American Road's 2019 Picture Perfect Photography Contest celebrates art in every form. Art inspires and influences people in many ways. Submit a photograph of your favorite subject, one that inspires you to travel and celebrate life. Whether it's a photo of a beautiful sunset, a quirky roadside attraction or a neon sign. Let your imagination soar. Send us your picture-perfect photo. You could win $500 and have your photograph published in an upcoming issue of American Road Magazine. Visit AmericanRoadMagazine.com for details and entry instructions. That wraps it up for us, another edition of Trip Talk. Hope you'll join us next week. Thanks for tuning in. Go to AmericanRoadMagazine.com to preview the current issue of American Road Magazine. Until next week, drive safely and dream well.